Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. In times of crisis, there are unsung heroes that step up and come in clutch at the opportune time. In a pandemic, those heroes wear scrubs. As the entire country is shut down for most of its workers, there is a group of people who continue to wake up every day, put in long hours, and put their extensive training to work. Today on the Spent the Rent podcast, we will talk to a few of the many putting their lives at risk to save the lives of others. Coming up next, Healthcare Heroes of Lane County. the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. Today we begin an ongoing series on healthcare heroes of Lane County. This is volume one. We are joined by my first guest, Amy Marie. You may know Amy from one of my early episodes of the podcast. She is a member of the Defiant Divas and she was gracious enough to talk to us today. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So first, uh, why don't you just tell the listeners what it is you do Uh, specifically in the healthcare field? Sure. Um, I actually work for an agency and I do in-home care, um, mainly for Alzheimer's patients. I do care for a few other folks with other different conditions, but mainly I work with elderly Alzheimer's patients. So that specifically, um, you know, you're dealing with high-risk patients and obviously with mental or with uh, memory care, there's probably a level of... uh, the understanding, like your patients know what's going on. I mean, I'm sure that there's different levels of that. They, they do understand what's going on. And, um, you know, because they're homebound, a lot of them have nothing to do other than to watch what's going on on TV. And there's a lot of fear. Yeah. So how, I mean, that kind of answers my next question. I was going to ask how how the, how your patients, uh, spirits are. I mean, if people are kind of, I know you have posted videos with some one of your patients of you singing songs and stuff, and you do a lot to more, to do more than just the healthcare itself, like to lift spirits. Yes. Well, I feel like that's a piece of the home care. When you're coming into someone's home, um, you know, you're in their environment. It can be a more personal level of care. Um, so, yeah, there, I mean, there is a certain level of trying to distract from that. Um, stop watching so much of the news and try to find some activities that bring them back to home base. Right. And my grandma had Alzheimer's and I know that the best way to deal with it, what we were told by the nurses was to make them remember a comfortable time. So there was a lot of the, f- the facility she lived in was incredible. It was down in San Diego and it looked like a dollhouse. And there was like desks where there was, quills to write poetry or to write to draw you know all kinds of cool stuff yeah and so 
so just to kind of bring a place of comfort. And so I've seen those videos that you've posted, uh, singing songs and stuff, and they're pretty beautiful. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's, there's a level of caring for patients in their home like this, that really is beautiful. So you can, you can really have like a friendship with them. Right. Which is pretty special. Uh, so now since this whole thing kind of came full swing, I don't know the exact dates in Oregon when, people started shifting their lives. I don't know, kind of somewhere around May 15th or March 15th. Um, were you expected immediately to work extra hours? Yes. Well, it was sort of ramping up before that. I, I think that the owner of my particular agency had some, maybe some information ahead of time that there were, there were some things going on. So yes, I, I started uh, working more than my typical 40 hours, <laughs> um, mainly just because I'm one of the more experienced workers and she's trying to make sure she's got the, the most experienced, um, capable workers out there. Um, and is that, you know, something, I mean, when, when people do in-home care, mm -hmm. Is there kind of a place that you can all meet to do like advanced training all yeah. together? Yeah. You know, so because yeah. I'm sure right when this, like you said, that there was some advanced knowledge that this was coming, which is good. Yes. There mm -hmm. had to have been like, oh my gosh, emergency team meeting. You know, <laughs> let's get together. This is some things that we need to watch for. And is there anything you can speak on with that? You know, I wouldn't say we've even had anything like that. I think that it's kind of trickled in. The information didn't just come in all at once. Um, We've received, I, I speak for myself and some of my coworkers, we've received packets of information along the way. As things become more available, as more information sort of trickles in, we keep receiving new informational packets that keep getting delivered to us so that we can stay up to date as, as to what's going on, the new protocol, what we need to be doing to stay on top of things. And for the average person like myself and my girlfriend, we're sitting, like you said, your patient as well, watching the news. Mm -hmm. I've been impressed with, with the, the reporting, uh, you know, locally and nationally. I mean, minus one individual, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so, agreed, so, agreed. Right. And that goes without saying. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of good information from the local media, KVAL, KMTR, whatever. And not just on the health risks and the symptoms and the things that are progressing, but also with the relief bills, you know, yeah. and ways that, because this is an interesting thing about working in healthcare is that your job now, it's like intense job security, but there's a lot of people like myself that are finding themselves not only stuck at home, but out of a job. And then right. I'm, you know, we're making the best of it. And I'm so glad I have stuff like this podcast to keep me busy, keep my brain occupied and, and, and feel like I'm accomplishing something. Uh, so we talked about extra hours that you were working. Now you have kids. So a lot, like many people in the healthcare industry are kids, uh, parents of young children. How has that affected your daily life? Your kids not being in school? <laughs> well, right. I mean, I think that's the biggest impact right now is having them home. Um, and this is nothing like summer vacation. You know, they can't just go play or go have play dates with friends. Um, you know, having them be really, truly stuck at home, it, it's really finding things to keep them occupied, especially since I still have to go to work. I still have to go out and make a living. And it's even more intense right now than it typically would be. So, you know, luckily my kids are a little bit older and I, and I have kids that are old enough to stay home with my youngest so that he doesn't have to right. totally fend for himself. But I do feel for the kids 
at home. I mean, in the parents of toddlers, you know, that must be really difficult right now. As a mother, what would you tell, you know, parents on how to talk to your kids about it? Well, I think limiting um, what they're watching on TV and making sure you're having those discussions at home first is important Um, because I think fear is it's going to happen with kids and and it's important to remind them that as long as we're, you know, washing hands and using all of the the skills that we have and the knowledge we have to stay away from those germs, that they're going to be okay. Um, You know, following, following instructions and following the rules are important everywhere we go. Um, But right now this is, it's especially important. I know kids are so resilient and I'm talking kids, you know, like, seven to 12, you know, that, that, that age group where they're really intuitive into what their parents are dealing with. And so in moments like this, when they can see that their parents are stressed or fearful or whatnot, I know that they kind of tend to be like, I better be in line. (laughs) You know, I better be comforting depending on the kid, of course. Sure. And the, and, and whatnot. But so back to the healthcare stuff, uh, PPEs. Okay. So what is a PPE? This, there's memes all about it that us average people have no idea what this is. Well, P- so, PPE stands for personal protective equipment. So that could be anything from latex gloves, masks, shields, gowns, whatever it is that uh, is necessary for whatever cir- circumstance you're going into. And then, you know, across the country, especially in New York, there's shortages. And what I'm seeing on the news is that there's literally a bidding war for PPE and ventilators where the prices, you know, they can, they can basically, the states can compete against each other to get it. And, you know, in the healthcare field, now with you doing home care, in-home care, is there enough access to what you would need if you come into a situation where your patient becomes infected from, I mean, a lot of the time your patients aren't leaving the home. Right. Correct. So that, so that helps. It, it does. And so, um, what I'm going to say about that is because my, my patients don't leave home, we actually become the most um, cautious people because we are then the ones that would be bringing germs into them. So we have to be careful even in our personal lives. Like I personally am not going to be going out grocery shopping and bringing germs to them. Right. So to answer your question about PPE, I have lots and lots of gloves Um but masks are scarce, not just in New York, but everywhere. Even here, the owner of my company was able to obtain some masks, but we are not going to be using them unless absolutely necessary. So if, yeah. if that first sign of any kind of sickness, uh, myself or my coworkers would need to um, start taking our temperature, uh, let, our, let our boss know right away, um, and then we would need to decide from there whether we would need to just start wearing a mask or if we needed to have further testing done because it's, we work with a high risk population. So it's really important that we not bring any germs, introduce anything into their environment. Yeah. It's really scary. We had talked a little bit off air about, you know, the ER being the front lines Mm -hmm. and it's really scary for people. I mean, people don't understand. They think about healthcare. They think about doctors, they think about Porsches. They don't think about the nurse's assistants and the, you know, the janitor, whoever else in the hospital that's making such a small wage. And so these people are risking their own health and the health of their families to be on the front lines without the protection. And that is a crisis. I mean, that is the biggest crisis in this whole thing. 
is that these people are on the front lines. Now, you, were, you and I had also spoke about how because of the stress, le- stress levels of, of people that are working in the ER, a lot of them that I've reached out to have been like, I'd love to chat, but either I'm, by the time I get home from work, I'm too exhausted or I want to shut my brain off from even thinking about this content. Yeah. So that's been a harder get than uh, I'm going to have a, another friend who's a pharmacy technician and you doing in-home care. And so people that are working kind of outside of the front lines, mm-hmm. but are very much still like, I'm calling this episode healthcare heroes because in these moments, that's what I think you guys are. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I, I mean, I know the work I do is important to me. And that's important. That's probably more important than anything because <laughs> it gives you a reason to want to push through and do it the next day. You it know? does, yes. Alzheimer's is difficult. We can talk on that a little bit. Uh, you know, like I had said, my grandma, one of the things that personally uh, that got to me is the, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but the documentary about Glenn Campbell, the country singer. I haven't. Have seen. you ever watched Oh my gosh, like I'm not too proud to say I cried for like half of it. Oh. <laughs> and it's really powerful because it shows his wife taking care of him. And I ha- it's called I'm Still Here. I highly recommend it. You'll love it. Yeah, I'll have to and check it out. I'm not a fan of country music typically, but mm-hmm. the song that he did, the first time I had heard it, this is a total side note, but that's what the podcast is. <laughs> the first time I had heard it was Tim McGraw was playing it at the Grammys. And I can't believe I'm plugging Tim McGraw and Glenn Campbell, but it was so beautifully done that I was like, well, I got to look that up. And I looked up on YouTube and I encourage you to do that today. Uh, I'm still here by Glenn Campbell and the video of YouTube. That's like basically a trailer for the the documentary. Oh my gosh. It's so powerful. Cause you know, the song, the chorus is like, or maybe it's no, it's called, it's called, I'm not going to miss you. That's what it is. I'm not going to miss you is what the, is what the song is called. It's beautiful. Anyway, side note. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Check it out. Dealing with Alzheimer's is a difficult thing and dementia and it's something that's in my family and something I have to be cautious of. And I can't imagine dealing with, you know, you were saying that your patients are like your friends. Yeah. A lot of times you make a very strong bond uh-huh. uh, with people that are more advanced in their mental or their memory. Uh, sometimes do you feel like, a, like you want to, cause you're there by yourself working with them. Yes. Do you find that in this time that you want to be discussing this kind of stuff and having a lack of connection or do you just kind of, does it allow you to escape from it for a minute and just deal with what's at hand right then? Um, you mean with COVID? With, yeah. Because sometimes if your patients are more advanced mm-hmm. in, their, in their memory loss, right. the conversation, you're, you're not going to be able to have a, a deep rooted conversation. Probably, It's true. Yeah. I mean, if they're more advanced, um, sometimes the attention span is really only that of minutes, sometimes not even minutes, only seconds. So, um, you know, I, I pick and choose. There's, there's definitely certain clients that want to have a discussion about it because they're still more present. And there's some that will um, take notice that it may be something that's on the news. I have one particular client who enjoys watching MSNBC, uh, but she is one of my more advanced clients. So a lot of times what is going on will only, it will only be something we can discuss for just a few seconds before. Yeah. So I can't imagine reliving the fear too, when it's like finding out for the first time again, every single time. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's part of Alzheimer's as far as the care that I've been, cause I've been providing Alzheimer's care for about seven years now. And it's something that I've become pretty skilled at. And that is one thing um, is you must have a lot of patience. I hear that a lot because 
dealing with Alzheimer's, there's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of um, reliving that same moment over and over again, hearing the same stories over and over again. So with something like this going on and being in the news, distraction plays a part. You know, I need to change the channel. We need to talk about other things so that it isn't just something we're reliving over and over again. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to ask, you know, what is something that you think that people should know? And I think you kind of answered it there with, they need to change the channel. Yeah. But what is, I mean, as this advances and, you know, what is something in, from a healthcare perspective that you think that people should know? So I think two really, really important points would be like I discussed earlier um, with my homebound client, I'm going out and if I need something for my family, if I need to go get a gallon of milk, I don't want to encounter anyone who maybe has symptoms and is in the store. Stay home, you know, because there are people out there that, that need to be out there for one reason or another, but have, but have, you know, people at home who are going to be part of that population that is, that is dangerous. You know, we, we don't want to carry on. I don't want to carry any of these germs back to any of my clients, but there are things I need to be able to do for my family too. Um, Aside from that, be really picky where you get your news from. You know, don't listen to all of the things you're hearing on the news. I think the more I watch, the more I kind of roll my eyes sometimes at how much it, it really feels like they're pushing us into fear when I think it's really important to just get the facts. Sometimes what I will do every day is just find out kind of where we're at with things. I think it's such a fine line. We had talked about this off air and I wanted to stress this point that everyday life feels like a combination of (laughs) an overreaction and an underestimation of what's going on. Yeah. And 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 so I know we mentioned it it feels really surreal because nothing like this has ever happened in our lifetime. You know, we didn't live through smallpox or anything like that. And so or one of my clients actually mentioned um, polio. This reminded her of polio when, um, when that was a problem. And so this is nothing we've ever seen before. And so I think it's, it's really bizarre to us. You know, every day I feel like it's a normal day and then I leave my house and I remember, oh yeah, it's not a normal day. There is this heaviness going on in the world and it is just surreal. Yeah, it's really difficult. You know, and you were talking about misinformation from media, Mm -hmm. but obviously on Facebook, there's a lot of memes and a lot of naysayers. The one thing that's frustrating me the most is people that are comparing this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, comparing it to the flu and how the yearly death rates of the flu, because people will make, uh, I don't even want to talk percentages. We'll just talk numbers, you know, just flat out numbers because people will say stuff like, uh, you know, 3,000 people die every year from the flu or whatever, random number. And then I'm like, you do realize this has been a month and we're at 1,000. So that's four times. I mean, if even if the death rate stays the same, we're at four times the amount. And it's not going to stay the same. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just insane how one or two weeks into this whole pandemic on Facebook, people are like, this isn't as severe as the regular flu. I'm like, dude, how do you know? We don't have any sample size right. of anything yet. And I think that's I mean, what's really, really important to remember right now is that the numbers are really skewed. We haven't had the appropriate number of tests to be able to get the right numbers. You know, death, death counts versus cases right now is just really going to be, it's really hard to- It's arbitrary. It is. Yeah. I mean, what, what are you hearing as far as- uh, 
you know, people that, that don't get tested that are either calling or going to the emergency room. And then they're saying, okay, and if you're not showing severe symptoms, you need to go home and isolate and quarantine yourself. Right. Cause the hospitals are so overloaded that that's what they're encouraging. So we have no idea how many people untested are sitting at home with the virus. You're right. Um, you know, my, my son is a severe asthmatic and about a month ago he was really, really ill. And this was when the whole thing was kind of just barely starting to ramp up a little bit. And I called the doctor's office and they basically said they wanted to see him because he had a really terrible cough and he was, he was running a fever, but you know, we had to go in through a side door and be masked and everything, but they still didn't test my son. And it was a concern of mine at the time. I thought, but it really, that's what opened my eyes to the fact that we're not testing anyone. We weren't testing anyone at that point. We didn't have the testing. Now yeah. it's becoming more and more available. And, and just as a side note, my son is fine, by the way. He got over it. It sure. was just a, a cold. Um, no, but, and th- I mean, it's normal flu season. Right. You know, so. And so the numbers are, are a tough one right now. And that's where I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily saying we're getting a lot of misinformation, but what we need to keep in mind is, um, you know, this quarantine time would really buy us enough time um, in the healthcare community for them to start developing this vaccine and coming up with some treatments. And the, the whole point in, in staying home and staying healthy is to try to buy the healthcare community community some time to come up with these solutions yeah um, yeah whole, and, and that's it to compare it to the flu you just can't it's apples and oranges right now because the flu we know more about the flu this is new we don't know as much we're trying to learn yeah and the vaccines and stuff is going to take time and i mean we're going to be open on easter because it's a special day but uh no that's <laughs> I, I mean, and I'm going to talk about it, but the things that are happening <laughs> when you watch the number, the top, when you watch Donald Trump talk about it, it's like, okay, can you just get out of the way so that the professionals can speak? Every, I have said that multiple times over the course of the last month or so, you know, I've caught, I've caught a couple of his press conferences and I just wish if he didn't know what he was talking about, that he would just keep his mouth shut. That's impossible. But, you know, early on, too, I was giving him some serious credit because early on in this process, once the whole Democratic hoax, once that was over, once he actually gave a very thoughtful, very heartfelt, um, not speech, but talk with with reporters. And then it just started getting snarky and we could be here for days. That's a whole different issue. I agree. But I mean, I posted something on Facebook yesterday. I was like, well, it turns out having Donald Trump during being president's a shitty thing during a pandemic. Who would have thought? <laughs> You know, yeah, no kidding. I mean, there couldn't couldn't be somebody more unqualified. Now, uh, I've I'm going to do some different episodes. I think that we're you know we're running long. I think what I'm going to do with these episodes is I'm going to do a series of them, and they'll be volumes. So this will be volume one of Healthcare Heroes, just kind of different, you know, because I'm doing episodes pretty much every other day now. That's cool. as as well. This is going on, uh-huh. and so I encourage anybody to listening to go back and. Check out the last few. I did one a couple of days ago with Sarah Schofield about mental health and how to. I love you know, Sarah. Make, she's incredible. She's a personal about friend to, of mine. I love her to bits. <laughs> yeah, and it was a really good one. So I encourage anybody listening and you as well, Amy, to go listen to that one. I also did one on the effects uh, to local business. Talked about the barber industry, which is what I'm in, and Brooklyn Damon, the owner of American Traditional. That was a couple episodes ago. The coronavirus and the shutdown. Right, right. Because you're, I mean, you're, you're working that close to someone. You can't do that right now. 
we were super proactive. We closed, uh, I went to work on March 16th uh-huh. and I got there and my boss was like, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to close up. So that was, you know, a full week and a half before the order. And we're like, we're, cause we're not going to have this be ground zero and we're taking it serious. And that's so, yeah, that's important. I think that the more people that can take it seriously, the better off we're going to be with all of this. I mean, even if we're, I think overreaction at this point would be better than underreaction. I'll be honest. I mean, everybody now on Facebook is an expert, everybody, you know, <laughs> they all know, they know everything. So, but I have to admit, I remember the time, I mean, this is only two weeks ago. But I, or three weeks ago, maybe I remember when I first saw the flattening the curve graph. Yes. And it really just clicked. Like everything was like, okay, we need to shut everything down. Yes. You know, that's when it really clicked. And I had, you know, in my barbershop on campus, I cut people's hair that are from all over the world. So we've been talking to kids from China, which I'm very grateful for that opportunity because not only do I talk to two or three friends that are maybe originally from China that live in Oregon. I'm talking to kids that live in China, (laughs) you know, like on a daily basis. I was when I was cutting hair (laughs) on a daily basis. And the information that they were giving me was stark, was scary. And then now United States has not that I want to peddle fear, but we have now passed them on the the most reported cases. And like you and I just discussed, we're not even testing. Now, I also want to say anytime I see the news and they talk about the statistics from China, I'm like, who's who's reporting it, though? I mean. China doesn't have a great track record on reporting their figures accurately. So I don't know who's, who's doing that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, we're going to see things in a different light probably in the next couple of weeks. Now that we do have access to more testing, I think things are going to change a lot in the next couple of weeks. It'll be really eye-opening. Yeah. What are you thinking? I mean, not prediction wise, but what do you expect for for April? Um, like higher numbers, more, I, I, yeah. more confirms. Sure. I would, I would definitely expect more confirmed cases because we have more testing available now. Um, more in Oregon, more in Lane County. Um, but I think um, we're going to start to find, hopefully, I and mean, this is my hope is that we're going to start to find um, treatments too. Things that are going to start yeah. to at least help symptoms. You know, we're going to be having to work on symptom treatment. Now, uh, the antibodies that they can find in people. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, neither of us are doctors. I don't want to say, I don't want to be like, you're not a doctor, mm-hmm. but you can speak on it. I'm sure you have a knowledge on antibodies and how that they can find that in people that have recovered from it. Is that correct? That's correct. That have been able, that have been able to fight it back. Mm-hmm. And so the antibodies in their, in their blood, I'm not, I'm super, is that right? Yes. Can you speak on that just a little bit? Cause I think that's a really good thing for people to understand as far as how we might find a, not a cure, but a treatment. You know. Well, I mean, I think that I, I can't speak on it a whole lot. I'm not a scientist, but I mean, I think that that's going to be really important for these scientists to look at people who have then recovered and, and look at the antibodies and see how our body is, is reacting and how our body is um, fighting off these, uh, these things. I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if they're able to use that to develop a vaccine. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, it takes a long time for vaccines. And I don't know, there's a lot of fear, like you said, on the media. But I, but I t- feel like the, the, the idea that they are working on a vaccine gives us some hope for next year. I mean, because you remember the flu comes around every year. And we have, yeah. we have what we think of as a season, but really it's about half the year. 
is a flu season. Um, but you know, I give, I think that gives us some hope that this is something that we'll be able to quell eventually. It it won't keep going and going. There will be some level of resolution. I'm just, I'm just hoping that we can get back to work and not, I mean, obviously we're going to take precautions in a different way. Once we do go back, whenever it is, I mean, we had upped our Lysol game, (laughs) you know, (laughs) our barbershop, we, we take sanitation very serious anyways, but you know, we had upped our Lysol game and we, I, I wear gloves actually cutting hair. Um, anyway, I always have. So, uh, well, not always for like the last couple of years. And it's more about getting hair slivers than anything. Yeah. But, well, you know, you know, I think that's something that you, I think you nailed it. Like, I think as a country collectively, I think we've really become more aware of germs, what, what airborne looks like, what, um, yeah. you know, how the spread of these things really works. So I think that's going to make us all more aware of hopefully more healthy. And it's, it'll be interesting to see you talk about seasonal flu. It'll be interesting to see if those rates are down next year because people are taking precautions. Cause this is gonna, I mean, we're going to have some PTSD from this. I'll never not think about this, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. So there's some silver linings that if we all, you know, I mean, obviously we're losing people. So I shouldn't say if we all get out of this, cause we're not going to all get out of this. We're not. But no. And for, no. All, for the, one thing, I, another thing I wanted to mention, I think, was that early on, I had a couple of my really good friends even say to me, when my son was sick, actually, they said, oh, well, kids don't get it. And I thought, wow, so there's some misinformation. You know, I said, well, no, you're wrong. Kids do get it. Um, yeah. Kids don't seem to be the population that's becoming really, really ill and dying from it. But there's an exception to that. You know, I mean, if you've got a child that is um, undergoing chemo or maybe has an underlying health condition like asthma, then we've got kids that are going to become really ill from it. And so I think that it's important to remember that anyone can get this. Anyone. Right. And that, and you just said, hit something on the head, not just kids. Uh, I want to get back to that with the kids, but, but people talk about, Oh, you know, the, the naysayers on social media are saying, Oh, well they died from an underlying health condition. I'm like, yeah, but before they were dealing with that underlying health condition and not dying from it. Sure. So, so so this is intensifying what they're dealing with now. Going even further, there are people who don't even realize that they have underlying health conditions. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. And then the kids, you know, two things. Okay. Not, I always put kids and dogs into the same group because I love my dog more than the kids, but like, um, uh, dogs I've there's back and forth information and I'm not, we're not sure positively if dogs can, if it can be transferred to a dog, but you can answer this, I'm sure. But the germs itself can be obviously on a dog, correct? I mean, how could it not be if it's a surface, <laughs> you know? I mean, can, yeah. And, and they do say that, you know, porous surfaces, um, you know, there's, I read something the other day about how long it lasts on each type of surface, metal, plastic, porous surfaces. And so you could imagine that your dog would probably be considered a porous surface. So seriously. Yeah. And cats. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to throw dogs under the bus. I saw something online and it was a good point. And it was like, you know, your cat more than your dog probably will go outside and roam and do things that your dog probably can't cause they're stupid. But like, uh, <laughs> the, the cat you know, that is, uh, I don't know about wash, giving a cat a bath. Cause it sounds like you'll end up, you know, with a scratched nightmare, uh-huh. but, but something, you know, you have to put that into consideration that especially for elderly people, I worry about that, that their cat could be the thing that's bringing in, yeah, you know, their cats out exploring and they're like, so, I mean, that has to at least be something that people look into. I'm not a doctor, an expert on that. 
But Google that and find yeah, some information on that. That's, an that's something that, that the elderly that's at high risk and, you know, for a lot of people, like the people that you deal with, the people that you work for um, with Alzheimer's and whatnot. I don't know how many of them have pets, but I'm sure there's some that do. There are, you know, there are. Where animals and all that. And I think that you really, you really nailed something there in that I think we're really figuring out where a lot of these germs come from. You know, I, I did find out yesterday that one of the diagnosed cases here in Lane County is someone that um, works for the sorting plant for the USPS at Gateway. And wow. so uh, uh, my thought process there is, you know, they're touching mail. It may be how they contracted it, but it may be also how it's being spread. Um, yeah. And I know that yeah, we, we don't know yet. Right. I've heard so, Amazon. Amazon had Amazon a, did. A yeah, headline. I was going to mention yeah. that next was that a lot of their warehouse employees are sick with it. And so there is some level of thinking there that these surfaces have been contaminated and these people are catching it from surfaces. So it's not always person to person transmission. We're really having to consider where these surfaces are coming from and where they're going. Right. You know, and I, to supplement income, I was doing Uber Eats driving and I've, I've, sh I've shut that down mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. For one, they shut me down claiming I didn't deliver food, which is ridiculous. There's an error in the system and I'm sure that they're overloaded. Sure. You know, that any type of, they don't have time to police their app right now. So if there's any question mark, mm -hmm. they're freezing. I think what happened with mine is that I had texted somebody like rapidly, like three times. Uh -huh. And then they, both times that I've done that, I've gotten frozen. And so, um, you know, I was like, I'm here. And I asked another question instead of having it in one text, I sent three texts real quick. Right. And I think that that was a violation of, of policy because it, that's what I, only thing I can think of. Cause it's frustrating. Cause I, originally I was trying to keep my brain occupied by doing those deliveries. And then I got to talking to my girlfriend and she's like, this is, this is God giving you a sign. I think you need to stay home. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I am. And so that's why I'm going to continue doing these episodes. Well, Amy, I really want to thank you for doing this. Um, I've, I've kind of, it's funny because as we hit record, I was envisioning we would chat for maybe 10 minutes and then I would try to get uh, three or four people to talk for 10 minutes. But what I think I'm going to, I'm going to adjust that. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a uh, reoccurring uh, series with these healthcare heroes. So this is volume one. And so uh, that way more music gets played because, you know, I end every episode with a song. <laughs> so spotlights on local musicians and, and different people that, that uh, are doing their thing. So Amy, I, I really appreciate everything you do. And uh, the Defiant Divas episode we did was really cool because we talked about all the work you do with that. And that's also really special. Yes, they so. are very special to me. Uh, well, it's always a pleasure and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this. Yeah. And keep doing what you're doing. I know that your patients love you and like your, your friends. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know if you call them, <laughs> you, you know, so uh, make sure when you hang, when we get done with this, that you close your cat outside and don't let them back inside the house ever again. Cause <laughs> cats. <laughs> no, no. So, all right, Amy, will you hang in there and thanks for doing this. Thanks so much. That was Amy Marie from the defiant divas. Um, I'm asking all of you listening to this to make sure to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast to the Spent the Rent podcast. I will be releasing a series on healthcare heroes of Lane County. I'm going to end this episode with a song. This is a newly released single that came out today, Friday, March 27th by Ender One featuring Sam Girl. It's called Will I See Your Face Again. Thanks for listening. Wherever you are right now, honestly, I just hope you're okay. 
Cause when people ask me about you nowadays, that's all I really say. Kinda like, hey, he knows I'm here, he's got my number, he can call day or night if he wants to. There's not a second I forgot you, wish I could pay a price to take away what it costs you. It's like you're wearing this costume. And this mask that you put on is not you I beat myself up over how I lost you But I put on a face cause I don't like the raw truth So we both hide huh. Behind our own pride Yours keeping you a victim in your own mind And mine convincing me that you won't die But I know the truth And you know it too You just won't admit it to anybody that's close to you So I don't know what I'm supposed to do I just pray to God that he watches over you You're not alone now, and you never were. Please just call. I pray you get the nerve and you hear the message instead of just the messenger. And no, I can't send a cure. It's gonna take more than faith or attendance at church. Cause no drug is ever gonna mend those hurts. And no liquid in a drug is gonna quench that thirst. I promise that. Cause I've been there first. So don't fucking lie and try to pretend this works. I know you're looking for a path that a dead end curve. But you don't find peace just because you end your search. And of course you lie. Then you twist the truth. Just to try to justify all the shit you do. How do I know what I'm saying here is tried and true? Cause you are me. And I am you. <laughs> yeah, we twist the truth just to try to justify all the shit we do. How do I know this is tried and true? Cause you are me, and I'm you. And I know these years pass by us. It's been a while. I can't even say the last time that I saw you smile. And I heard from mutual friends that you're back out there again. And I hate that I only wanna. Again, you're worth it. And it's time to choose fucking life. <laughs> 